From the movie house to your widescreen at home, Radio 111's Going to the Cinema and the streaming services on Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. So grab your popcorn and beverage of choice and step into our screening room for our weekly forum on film. Now, here's Brian. <sighs> okay. Now, ordinarily, I'm pretty chipper in the morning. It's in the morning when this is originally recorded. Of course, if you're hearing it later, you might be saying, well, I don't listen to this in the morning. So, so I don't know. Are you really chipper in the morning? I don't know. If you know, you probably know why I'm a little down today, and it's not because of anything personal, but, gee, you know, you know, Steven Spielberg once said that no movie's worth dying for, and that's absolutely true. And so, on October 21st, the crew of a movie named Rust, starring Alec Baldwin and was also produced by him that's going to be very important later on i'm not going to pretend i'm not going to beat around the bush i'm not going to pretend i'm not going to have any opinions of my own that might sneak its way into my coverage of this because this this didn't need to happen this this did not need to happen nope this was preventable like vic morrow this was preventable like like brandon lee you know, so this I'm gonna, I'm gonna have opinions, and if they're gonna creep in, you know, please forgive me, but they're gonna creep in. I'm gonna try my best to be as neutral as possible. So on the 21st, which was a couple days ago, um, if you're listening to this at a later date, you know that's the date of reference we're gonna use. But that's gonna be an important date because you're gonna hear about this story for a long, long time. So on October 21st, seven members of the film's camera crew decided to leave the set in a walkout because they felt that there was unsafe working conditions. They felt that um, there was a lack of payment. There was a, um, you know, taking away their hotels, the lack of COVID safety and poor gun safety and poor unset safety overall according to one crew member who literally said who literally verbatim said most of that and what happened was that this is you know the the at sea strike the um i-a-t-s-e you know in case i didn't say it right then you know the international alliance of theatrical stage employees they had a strike earlier last week or at least they tried to have a strike they planned to strike i mean didn't go through um contracts have been so negotiations were positive for the most part there's still mixed reviews about it um i like to say it's sort of like you didn't get paid more than you got you're not getting paid minimum wage anymore so you know don't complain but that's not how i think it should have been they could have done better but for now there was no strike but still i gotta applaud this crew members who left the set right when they when they realized that there was nothing good that's going to happen out of this but guess what they didn't predict the next move which is they were going to they were replaced by four non-member crew uh, non-union crew members 6 hours before the incident that was about to take place 
So that morning, there was a walkout, and then later on, they were replaced by four union workers. So think about it. You got seven union workers, and they got replaced by four union non-union workers within the span of six hours? Are you kidding me? Like, how are you going to replace seven people who are really great with their job with four people that you literally hired off the street? You know, like, I'm not going to say that this is comparable to another incident, but you know what? I'll hold off. I'll hold off. Again, don't want to creep my opinions in here because I'm trying to stay as neutral as possible, but, you know, it's going to creep in. And so what happened was one of the prop guns was selected and sooner or later, uh, Baldwin, uh, Alec Baldwin at approximately 150 mountain time was handed the gun and he shot the gun once which killed Helena Hodgkins the cinematographer and injured director Joel Zuza and what happened was that Hodgkins of course she was pronounced dead later on at the University of New York uh, uh, New Mexico forgive me uh, hospital in Albuquerque and Zuza you know he's being treated and he was released the same morning well the, the next morning I mean it's one of those things where a lot happened but he is fine he should be fine and the production was suspended indefinitely and the santa fe county police department is currently investigating and alec baldwin um, has made a statement essentially discussing how uh sorry he feels about the situation how how such a senseless tragedy and i'll read alec baldwin's statement in just a moment but there's also um, the movie's production company, Rust Movies Production, is conducting an internal review, meaning that they're going to look into the movie themselves. The New Mexico Occupation Health and Safety Bureau is also investigating. And according to the IATSE Local 44, uh, they claim that the live single round was the cause of the incident and that... They were in sh and that law enforcement still and local authorities are still not sure if it was a blank or a live round because you can because believe it or not, if you're not safe about it, a, a blank can still cause some damage. You know, it's not when it comes to gun uh, gun handling, it's way, way more harmful than people make it out to be like people believe like a blank doesn't do anything. No, it could it could you know and Alec Baldwin has put out a statement saying there are no words to convey my shock and sadness regarding the tragic accident that took the life of Helena Hodgkins a wife mother and deeply admired colleague of ours I'm fully cooperating with the police investigation to address how this tragedy occurred and I'm in touch with her husband offering my full support to him and his family my heart is broken for her husband their ch their son and all who knew and loved Helena. And then the family of Brandon Lee, another, you know, thir almost 30 years ago, almost 30 years ago, actually one more year before Brandon Lee's actual death in 1992, and then two more years before the anniversary of the actual movie, The Crow, coming out. Um, they actually spoke out 
saying, Our hearts go to the family of Helena Hodgkins and Joe Souza and all those involved in the incident of Rust. No one should be ever killed by a gun on a film set, period. For those of you who don't remember, Brandon Lee was shot, accidentally shot, on the set of the movie The Crow from 1993. The film itself had a scene where a character played by Michael Massey has a um, gun. He's one of the criminals in the movie who kills... Um, I think it's supposed to be this... Um, okay, it doesn't actually matter what scene it is. You know, the point is that he died. He died making the movie, and he was shot in the same in a lot of ways similar to how Helena Hodgkins had been shot. <sighs> so, no one should ever die <laughs> having to make a movie. I don't believe so. This is a case where it's... This is a case of not only negligence by producers and crew members this is i do not blame the crew members who left that day because guess what they knew something like this was going to happen they made a they staged a walkout to prove a point to sort of show that you know what we deserve better and guess what the movie obviously obviously wasn't safe it was not a safe situation this was this is horrifying. This is an outrage. This is, this is, what is going on? Like, no, like, I, I, this is something that should have been prevented. This is like Vic Morrow. This is like Brandon Lee. Preventable situations that could have happened if A, somebody, if the right person said something at the right time, or two, somebody actually, or the person that should have stopped the whole thing would have took, taken an extra precaution. This, by the way, is it should have been an extra precaution. Somebody should have grabbed the gun, tested out one more time, and you would have saved a life. Same with like the Brandon Lee situation where you could have saved a life if you just tested the gun one more time. The Vic Morrow incident, by the way, that was a horrible situation too. That one could have just been prevented overall if someone, I'm not gonna say who, of a certain director, just listened to the crew members who know what they're doing. This is a case of producers and directors thinking they know more than the crew members who handle these props and these dangerous things on set. They This comes from, in my opinion, cutting corners during film production. If you listen up, listen up, young filmmakers or independent filmmakers who are listening to the show right now. I don't know how many of you are listening, but you do not have to cut. If you do cannot afford union workers, and if you can't afford to pay your workers well enough, if you can't afford, and I mean this, if you can't afford to check the gun one more time, then don't make a movie. Don't make a movie. Don't make a movie with a gun. Don't make a movie in general. Just do not even try making a movie because if you can't keep your crew members and your actors safe, then then don't do it. Don't even cut corners. This is a case where, of course, this is an independent movie. I understand it's an independent movie. They have to, like, they're cutting corners because that's how they save money. But guess what? You have all these people who could have easily taken salary cuts. They could have honestly listened to the crew members who walked out because those people clearly knew that something wrong was going to happen. And I don't blame them for walking out on a movie set that was clearly dangerous. Like, this did not need to happen. This, 
nobody should die for a movie. Steven Spielberg said this right after the Vic Morrow, John Landis situation in, during the Twilight Zone, the movie. No one should die making a movie. Because this is... Because it ruins... Not only ruins lives, but it makes it so difficult. Like, it's just so... The movies have always been a difficult and sometimes even dangerous situation. You know, like people say to me, wait a minute, what do you mean by that? There have been movie sets where there has been emotional abuse, physical abuse, death, destruction, and horrible things happening. And it's all fiction. Like these movies are fiction. None of it's supposed to be real. But yet there are some filmmakers who are negligent where they don't take care to make sure it stays that way they you know what i do feel bad i do feel bad in general just for the whole incident i was going to say something else but i'm gonna hold back on that my heart goes out to helena hodgkins her family this was this was preventable and if you and if their family needs like honestly if they feel angry they have every right to be angry because this should have been should have never happened helena hodgkin's family has every right to sue the filmmakers has every right to speak out because again this is a case where negligence killed another life just like how negligence killed vic morrow in 1984 and how in 1993 brandon lee was killed on the set of the crow horrible an outrage we'll be right we'll be right back on flicks and picks and we're gonna talk about other things but rest in peace helena hodgkins this was preventable and you will be missed he's been touched by an angel or two you know roger ebert gene siskel maybe even gene shallot here is Brian Mendoza, Talking Cinema, on Radio 111's Flicks and Picks. You know, it's just one of those days where you where there's so much movie news out there that it's that one thing dominates all of it. And that's what I spoke about earlier, which is the Helena Hodgkins... Uh, I, Helena Hodgkin's death has taken over the movie news and I just don't know what else I, I, what I can really talk about because it's just it's just something that really sticks in your mind there's so much to cover like I know that I talked about it last segment but you know we got to do better than this you know we really got to do better to make sure people don't die making movies you know and this is a case where you know you know what i don't know like this is you you want to feel motivated to to talk about like marvel movies and all that and you know what i will talk about the recent delays and all that i mean that's not that's not an issue i mean i can do that but i gotta i gotta say y'all it's a case where you know go just just be sure to realize that this was something that was we had a lot of foreshadowing on this with the IATSE strike where they clearly state that film sets were not safe 
and the film sets were rampant with not only COVID mis, uh, misadventures, but also just in general, not sa- un- uh, unsafe sets in general. It's just very hard to find the words for it. But, you know, we had we had people telling us something. So maybe next time, hey, maybe next time, you know, any producers out there listening to this show, I know that there's a couple in Pond Springs. Maybe listen to the crew members sometime. Doesn't hurt. In fact, it might even save lives because we don't need this to happen ever again. Because it it's haunting. It really haunts you. Like, this is haunting me because it's... It didn't need to happen, you know? Just like Vic Morrow and Brandon Lee, it didn't need to, did not need to happen. All right, let's go and talk about some Marvel because, you know, I I don't want anyone to tune out and re- and think this is one type of show. But you know what? No, it has to be. I want I'm an advocate for the movies, but it does not mean I'm not an advocate for human life. And no one should have to die making a movie. Even movies, even independent movies where you have to cut corners, you know where you can cut corners? Your salary. If you're a producer and you're making a million on a movie, it's independent movie, cut your salary. Cut your salary. Give some money to the crew members who work really hard because if you're an in-name only producer, you don't need that much money. Heck, if you advertise well enough, maybe you'll make it back through revenue if you really care that much about the money. And you shouldn't, because li- human lives matter more. So, Marvel has finally delayed a couple movies because uh, production reasons. You know, most of these movies are not done production-wise because of extensive research, uh, reshoots, and just in general, so they just have to work on a couple movies. Like Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness was moved from March twenty fifth to May twenty sixth. So, you know, I, that movie was getting some extensive research uh, re. Why did I say research? <laughs> I meant reshoots. Reshoots. Like, they're reshooting the movie because the ending isn't as strong. Or apparently, like, there's certain parts of the movie that people are not connecting with. So they're reshooting it, which is great. You know, if you got to reshoot a movie, it doesn't hurt. And so I got to say, I got to say this is a good idea. Good idea just in general. Just do that. And then Lo- Thor Love and Thunder is moving from May 6th to July 8th. I love seeing that that's in the middle of summer. I think that that's pretty cool because I, I don't know. I, I, I like that because I, I, I do like the fact that like that movie gets to be a summer movie, like an actual summer movie. It's great. I think Taika Waititi and um, Chris Hemsworth really worked hard, uh, really, really work hard and well together. So I'm glad to see them actually being able to be rewarded with that. So that makes sense. It's a bit of a shame, though, that Black Panther 2 um wakanda forever it's moving to november 11th instead of its original july 8th date i would have loved to have seen that as a summer that was a great date for that summer for that movie it's just in the summer but you know what maybe maybe they're trying to push for oscars a little bit i guess it makes sense if they wanted to push for an oscar because black panther was nominated for an oscar maybe black panther 2 could be i think it deserved the oscar i don't know i don't know why some people said that it didn't i think it did the Mar- uh, the Marvels, which is the Captain Marvel sequel, 
is moving to early 2023 and the Atman and the Wasp um, not going to say that last part Quantum Mania I think that's why you say it is moving to July 28th of 2023 Atman and the Wasp the sequel is actually going to go to the summer of 2023 it's going to be a summer movie I'm curious to see how the box office treats that movie because that that fran that specific part of the franchise has never been a billion dollars so you know i'm a little I'm, I'm a little concerned and then indiana jones the fifth movie is moving a whole year from july 29th 2022 to june 30th 2023 which is fine i think that that's actually a pretty good idea because i think that they've had a lot of delays especially with harrison ford getting injured on set so you know makes sense i i these are good ideas good dates again good ideas good on you disney <laughs> as insincere as i sound right now i really do mean that good on you disney hey coming up next we're going to talk about dune and ron's gone wrong in the next two segments if you love motion pictures you've made it to the screening room on time Radio 111 presents Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. Hey, we're going to talk about Dune now. Just jump right in there because we have to. Because I think it's a great movie. <laughs> so Dune is currently in theaters. It's doing the day and date release because it's a Warner Brothers film. So it's going to be on HBO Max as well. But I got to be honest, this is a cinematic movie. You gotta go see this on the big screen um i watched it on the big screen and at home so i saw it twice i think it's so much better on the big screen so you know if you've never read dune um it's the it's the 1965 novel by frank herbert about more or less the story of the atreides uh house atreides the family that a very noble house in this world and they are now they are thrust into a war for the planet Arrakis and for the most part the story revolves around Paul Atreides as he has visions how he might possibly be the messiah and you know you might be asking why am I whispering that part well because you know if you saw the original 1984 doing you know there's there's a lot of like you know whispering but Paul Atreides basically has these dreams and he is thrust into this war for this planet Arrakis that has the spice. It's a dangerous desert planet, but the spice extends life and expands consciousness. But it also also helps regulate. It makes it possible to travel through space. So it's the most valuable substance in the universe. And you might be saying, wait a minute, you're, those, what you're saying is very familiar. That's actually because I'm almost quoting verbatim the original prologue of the first of the original movie, because that prologue does help if you watch that movie. Not in this case, I'll tell you why. But they basically have this conflict between the native uh, Fremen people and the Har Harkonnen family and the emperor. So basically, the planet Arrakis is such a valuable planet that the Emperor and the Hark um, Harkonnens, who I've always known as the Harkonnens because that's how I used to pronounce them, so forgive me if I go back to that. The Harkonnens are the enemy family that used to control Arrakis, and now they want to base the they team up with the Emperor to basically fight against the Atreides. The Atreides family is 
basically trying to survive and trying to do their best to help out the Fremen, but the Fremen are not very trusting of them. So basically the whole story is a conflict between can the Fremen and the Atreides get along and what can they do to fight against the Harkonnens and the Emperor who have tamed up in their own way too. And then of course, what is the mystery of the spice and is Paul really the Messiah or is he... Or is he just a young boy? And the other thing is, is the movie any good? Of course it is. Of course it is. I think it's a, I think Dune has been a very difficult, arduous uh, material to uh, text in general to just adapt. Uh, if you recall, the original 1984 movie literally had to put in like narration. They had to put in like a prologue. They had to put in like... A, a voiceovers every other minute to make it to make it where audiences who watch the film could somewhat understand what's going on even though now it's kind of like a little goofy like it, it's a little silly the the thing is about the thing about this version of dune is that it does not even cover the whole book or even the original movie it only covers the first half of it which you know i think that's a really smart decision if you're going to um tackle the story of dune i believe that it, I, I do believe that it needs to be a case of um, I do I do believe it needs to be a situation where you need to split the story into two movies or three because it is very extensive the book itself is only like about 400 pages which you know you might make an argument and say wait a minute if it's only 400 pages then how how you can't do that in one three-hour movie no I don't I don't it's not possible and you'll see why, because there's so much detail, so much like information. Dune is a very difficult text in general because of the fact that you have to keep track of all these families. You have to not only do that, you also have to keep track of the various like um, minerals, the various like ways that magic works in the world. Like you have to know definitions of words. Like there's a reason why Dune is such a difficult text to not only read, but to fully explain, because then again, you feel like you're not explaining it right. Like Dune's a mindset more so than it is a story. Like it's a, it it has a great story. Don't get me wrong. The original book is a f wonderful story, but it's also like a stylistic type of story. It also has commentary in it that, you know, if you don't do it right, doesn't translate. Like for example, people are, have mentioned the white saviorness of the original 1984 Dune, but if they read the book, n I'm not saying if the filmmakers had read the book properly, they would have realized that the film, that the, the, the story itself was more or less warning you against the idea of relying on a savior, that a savior isn't exactly what you should be waiting your life for, that it's that you can, that your people, it's the collaboration of people, that people working together is a lot better than waiting on a savior to save the day. So there's that conflict and that situation that that commentary i mean that's really strong in the original book and so with that being said this version of dune does a really great job at tack at just capturing that style of the book and i know that that's not you know if you haven't read the book it might not mean anything but dune is such a hard text to get right that if a movie version gets it right even fundamentally in capturing the tone of the book or the story then you got a great movie dune is a technical achievement it looks 
beautiful. It's a beautiful, big, sprawling movie that's just so. Uh, it's it. It reminds me so much of watching movies like Lawrence of Arabia on the big screen. It's so vast. It feels like you're in this whole new world, and it's just pure escapism, and it's beautiful. And also this this complex story. You feel like you're really part of this world with the characters. And I think that that's what's going to be the main appeal is that people are just going to have to see Dune. I feel so bad for anyone who will have to avoid seeing this in the theaters because of the pandemic. If you got if you got to go watch one movie in theaters, like if you got to go out and watch at least one movie, Dune is the movie you got to watch. I loved it. It's ambitious. It's bro. It's big and epic. And the performances are really amazing. Like Timothy, uh, Char- uh, <laughs> Charlemagne. I always, I always mispronounce his name sometimes. But Timothy Charlemagne. He you know he's been in. I've watched his career blossom. He went from being in Call Me by Your Name, which I thought, I'm, should have been Oscar nominated as well for that movie. You know, less said about Army Hammer, the better. The, and then I saw him in Little Women, which I thought he was great as. So I love the fact that he's able to go into these different types of roles and really escape himself in there. Paul Atreides, he really captures Paul Atreides really well. He captures his naive, youthful spirit, but he also captures the pain and torture that this character deals with, like the dreams, how the dreams disrupt him. Like You get the sense of the fact that he was a young boy at some point, that you get the sense that he was just an, a young boy that was going to inherit the Atreides house but then you also sense this conflict that's been in him for a long time because his father while he is the lord a lord um there's also his mother who is basically like the um he's his mother is a concubine for his uh father but she's kind of like an equivalent to um forgive me the it's the duke her his um his um father is a duke but paul's mother is a bennett jesuit who is a a religious um religious sisterhood whose members basically use their mind and body to basically produce children and to sort of follow their own order that that thing's going to get expanded upon later on in the sequel it's it's I don't want to spoil the sequ- the book, so you know if I'm being a little vague about the um, a- about some aspects, it's because again, it's one of those things where it's such a big, expansive novel that you know the two parts. I got to get that second part. You got to get that second part because you got. I want to see how they go with this. It's. I, I, I just think that Timothy Chalamet is great. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson as his mother probably her best performance i love during it she is phenomenal uh oscar isaac's pretty good josh brolin uh stellan skarsgård you know they they all give good performances and gets a small part same with javier bardem and jason momoa they all get small parts but you know what they do such great work with those parts that i love it i do think that you know if anything i know that there'll be criticisms of the story you know of course the original dune has always had it's issues with asian representation but you know it's one of those things where sadly sadly that's how it was in the book they could have made changes but you know it's sort of a minor point 
at this point like we can we'll have a conversation about that later but overall like it is a great movie it's one of those movies where its problems are there because the narratives always had problems like you know always had social problems but it's such a great movie that you can almost forget about those things and i know that in a sequel they might they they if they follow the book well they'll address those things so trust me you'll be glad but I gotta say, Denis, uh, Denis Villeneuve, you got it. Like, he nailed it. He really nailed the story. He not only made the desert into both a beautiful but dangerous place, he also manages to, like, really just put, not rush his story for once, being able to let the story breathe for two hours and a half. And I can't wait until part two. I'm actually kind of upset that they didn't shoot part two back to back with this because i would have loved to have seen this next year so is part two gonna come out i hope so um if you want to support this movie you know box office ain't hbo max you know watch it twice i'm gonna be honest if you want to see a sequel to dune if you already saw it and you want a sequel to this watch it in theaters you know pay go to the mary pickford theater pay your money to go see it but also go back and watch it at home so put it on maybe you don't even have to watch the whole thing like click on it and let the movie play and you can go do something let the movie play get the hits i want to support this movie so support it financially at the theaters support your local movie theaters you know i'm, I'm encouraging that but also you know go home and click on the film at a on hbo max you know get a few people to subscribe you know i want to see the sequel i want to see the sequel to dune dune is one of my favorite movies of this year so far might even be a candidate for number one so far it's the one movie i really love this year and i think it's been a pretty good year so far so go watch dune four four stars 10 out of 10 you got to go watch it it is a movie it is the moment this is the moment if you want to see cinematic history let's make it let's get this franchise started let's get this series just on a right track support it do what you can because we're so close to gain getting this film greenlit the sequel to this movie because it deserves it this is a story this is a version of the story that i want to see told and i loved it dune ambitious epic just beautiful and i saw this poster that said the next lord of the rings in star wars you know my you know what they might be onto something because dune it's great great it's an amazing movie go watch it i promise you they nailed this story perfectly hey stay tuned we're gonna talk about ron's gone wrong a pleasant little surprise and i'll tell you why big screen blockbuster Little Screen Stream, Festival Favorites, Award Show Nominees, Winners, and the Occasional Pan. This is Flicks and Picks on Radio 111. Here's Brian Mendoza. So Ron's Gone Wrong is one of those pleasant surprises where I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest, whoever did the marketing for this movie, you gotta do better because that that marketing was bad i was surprised by how like you know they just edit this film to look a certain way and i remember 
I'm going to tell you a little bit of my experience with the marketing and then I'll tell you about the movie. But so when I saw this movie's trailer, I was like, so this is basically like a child's play 2019 remake, but for children, right? It almost looks like that. I will say though, if, if I'm, if I'm going to say something, um, the, the YouTube comments for this, for the trailer, I know don't look at the comments. I get it. I get it. I know. I used to do YouTube videos, and I can tell you those comments were never in good faith. Some of them were nice, though. I, I, I wasn't terrible. I just, it's one of those things where a lot of people just love to pick on you. But um, the comment section for for this movie's trailer, it's, it wasn't nice. Like, I know a lot of people were making predictions, saying how cliched it looked, and it's like, you know, this is the last remnants, remnants of the, um, blue sky studio debacle that basically this is a movie that disney's hanging out to dry but then i knew some i have i knew someone who had seen the movie a little bit earlier than everyone else saying that it was great and that you know go watch it and so i you know and then then i heard them say about another anime movie i can't disclose some of this but um this one was one of the two animated films that one of my friends um who had seen the movie beforehand before everyone else did um before that uh, before everyone else did and they loved this one but they didn't like the other one and i was surprised because i thought it'd be the other way around i thought that the second movie which i can't disclose yet but we'll get there you have about we have about a month or so so you'll know which movie i'm talking about um so stay tuned if you want to know about november 20 something then i'll tell you what the second movie was i thought that one was going to get good reviews but so far, I was told that it's actually not very good. So, you know, again, not gonna. I don't want to get anyone in trouble. But this movie, he was telling me how good it was. And so I was surprised because the marketing made it look kind of bad. I was like, really? This movie's good? Okay, well, let me watch it. So I went in with an optimistic attitude because of that. Because I actually trust this person. And you know what? It was pretty good. Now, for those of you who don't know, Ron's Gone Wrong is a story about a little boy named... Uh, Barney, who does, who is the only kid at his school who does not have this like um, bubble bot. I thought they said something else on the screen. I thought they, I thought they said something other than bubble bot. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. I was like, what? So this robot is like a, it's like basically a smartphone on wheels. It, it's like your friend, but it's control, but mostly your friend in the social media sense, where they give tell you your likes, they live stream you. It's just a it's a movie about a, this little boy who finally gets a robot that malfunctions except that it might actually be a genuine friend instead of a, a basically a walking talking smartphone. And I love this film's commentary on, you know, social media. I think that it's not dated at all. Like you would almost feel like this movie would be dated in about a year. And I love the fact that there's no like, you know, modern slang that the idea is that that we're going to tell a story about friendship, but we're going to throw in what the meaning of friendship is. Like what, what is actual substantive friendship as opposed to like social media, um, look and all that. And I think that's a really important message to children to send to children nowadays, because I think a lot of children definitely see 
have grown up in the world of social media and the internet where they think everyone's a certain way or certain type of success and it's not like that at all and I love the fact that this film has these characters that would be archetypes in the lesser movie and expands on them like you have this mean girl and you have this bully kid who are basically shown as actually being really lonely people who don't who put on a persona for social media and I love the fact that the film shows how lonely and how sad it is to focus your life so much on social media that you don't really become a person that you sort of become an idea of a person and I appreciate that this film has that strong message I think in general it's a beautiful looking movie like okay maybe just a nice looking movie you know I'm still enthusiastic about Dune but I love the fact that it looked it looks good the character designs are good because you know after Adam's Family 2 I was not looking forward to another animated film I was like why are these animated films coming out so ugly lately I thought Ron was a cute character Zach Galifianakis is really good as Ron and I was really happy about that and I think in general this film really has a moving message but it also it just has a really sweet story about a young boy and his robot friend and I love how this film you know despite the fact that it has a pretty cliched villain focuses a lot more on just having its little tiny message and it's just it's a nice movie. I think it's a pleasant surprise. The kids I was in the movie theater with clearly loved it. The parents loved it more. So I think it's a good movie. I think it's a pleasant surprise. If you want to see something like, if you're somebody that's like, I have kids, I can't take them to go see Dune. I think Dune's the best movie to watch this weekend, but Ron's Gone Wrong is a, is certainly a good choice. Maybe the first couple minutes might seem cringy to you. I was a little cringed at first, but you know what? It really it really captures your heart by the end of it so ron's gone wrong like a definitely three out of four stars for me um dune big and ambitious go support it i love that movie i think it's one of the best movies of the year four out of four stars and again my heart goes out to um helena hodgkins you know another senseless tragedy rest in peace and rest in power see you next week